You're right. Any other person would have just given up, yeah. which is part of why I'm doing this podcast. I don't want any other women to feel like that. When they're frustrated, I want to be able to give them some help or something, someone to talk to about it so they do keep going. Welcome to Remodel Your Life. Shining the light on women working in the trades and remodeling their life into something better. Join a female cabinet maker in California in bringing together kitchen remodeling and working with your hands for a living. Welcome your host, Camille Finan. Thanks so much for joining me today, dear listeners. Um, we're doing something a little bit different with this episode, and I'm going to bring my producer, James, um, into the show and introduce you guys so you can see who the person is that makes all the magic behind the scenes. And also, he's a friend, and uh, he has a pretty interesting background, so we're going to be able to kind of talk about some issues together. Uh, we both have sort of similar backgrounds, um, but... He's a boy and I'm a girl. So thanks for joining me today, James. <laughs> hey, thanks. Camille. <laughs> so you're, um, you, we both found out after the fact that you also are a carpenter and had worked in uh, kitchen remodeling, which is really funny. I actually worked in a kitchen cabinet shop. So we share that. And also you have run a bunch of businesses. So we're both entrepreneurs. Yeah. Funny thing. <laughs> it is a funny thing. <laughs> so, so what uh, do you want to ask me, Mike, your questions first, or should I go? You go I first. I have some good questions. Yeah, I, bet. I, go I don't know. I got some pretty good ones, too. Okay. So um, I know that you worked in a cabinet shop, but how did you get, like, your training? I was kind of curious how you got into that. And you did some pretty, pretty awesome, big, rad, expensive stuff. So, you know, how did you get your training when you were younger and got into that cabinet shop? Well, I've, and it doesn't have to be a super long story. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, yeah. no, I know my story is uh, as long, if not longer, than yours. So, um, <laughs> I got into working in a cabinet shop. Originally, it was a furniture shop uh, when I was in college. Back in the, uh, I'm going to start dating myself here. Back in the late eighties. Back in the day. <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> so I was going to school here in Bozeman, Montana, where I live again after some tours elsewhere. But we've moved back in the last couple of years. And I was uh, going to college and needing some work. And I found a job working an afternoon shift. So 3 to 11 at a furniture shop. And I would go to school during the day or I would ski if the skiing was good or, or whatever, and then go to work. And it was perfect because I could make a, basically a full-time income while going to school. And I think you know this story from your end, mm -hmm. working full-time while going to school. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> the capital F. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was able to stretch out my school career six years instead of four. I think you stretch yours out as well. Like 13. <laughs> Just <laughs> a little bit more. Masters, though. I, I quit after my bachelor's. <laughs> well, but that I was did. only the last year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I'm out of school with no debt, 
which was pretty nice because I was able it's to super, pay for school. Um, I have tons. <laughs> from school dad. And I did come out with some awesome carpentry uh, cabinet and woodworking skills, which mm-hmm. are portable, right? I could take those everywhere I went. And I found myself over the years getting odd jobs when I needed to. Um, mm-hmm. And I got really back into working in the trades after my son was born, like five, he was born almost five years ago and I needed a a better paying job. And I, I got some work with a guy who did remodeling, all different kinds of remodeling jobs in the Boulder, Colorado area where we were living. And it was great. I learned so many different things from this guy. He had been around for a long time. He was British. John mm. and um, John, we, John, I love that. John Quinney, British, yeah. British, John Quinney. Oh my yeah, god, Quinney, how cute would that Quinney, be to have yeah. a boss? It was, it was oh fun. my god, that's so cute. We did everything from drywall patching and painting to you know, full on kitchen remodels, and uh, it was it was interesting, right? Like, you were always doing something different, and I was always learning something, and after a few years, he I learned enough, kind of like you, how you learned a lot of skills and and moved on up. And I became his project Mm -hmm. manager. And so I was running a crew and we were doing all kinds of different Mm -hmm. things. And then when we moved up here to Montana um, a couple of years, a few years ago now uh, with my family, I got a job in a wood shop with one of the guys I had kind of trained back in the day. Right mm. <laughs> at that original furniture place, he was still working. <laughs> a long time ago. Long he was time still ago. around. He was still around. Wow, now he's like a master carpenter, uh, cabinet maker, master mm. cabinet maker, working for a small company doing cabinetry and doors for very high end homes uh, near us, an area called the Yellowstone Club. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are super multi-million dollar houses, 16,000 square yeah. foot homes, that kind of fancy, thing. Fancy pants. Yeah, yeah you were telling me, pants, I know yeah. we were sh- we were sharing cabinet stores and you were, I was like, what are you working on? Or you were like, what are you working on? I'm like, what are you working on? You're like, oh, just like $200,000 worth of cabinets. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what kind of a house with $200,000? Like, or square footage, wasn't it? You told me the square footage or something. And I was like. That's in cabinets? How? What? No, <laughs> like, yeah, the cabinets for these places. And they would have us do all of them, right? We would do yeah. all the cabinets for every room. And I was making from start to finish. I was a small shop, so it was just three of us in the shop. And the owner did all the drawings. Mm-hmm. And so it was two of us doing almost all the work. And we would he would give us the drawings for a, an entire room. And you would be in charge of everything from start to finish. So I learned wow. so much working at that yeah. shop, like how to do coping panel doors to. And so, who was the guy that? Who was the guy that was teaching you how to do that? Though, I mean, that's like really specialized stuff. So, was yeah. it the lead guy, the John Quinney? John Quinney, <laughs> yeah, the guy who owns that shop. No, no, John Quinney was John, the last guy. Yeah, right. the last guy. This guy is. Don Marks, and he got into woodworking on the on the side in the summers because he was a teacher mm-hmm. and he needed to mm. make extra money. So he would he started a woodworking business in the summer that turned into wow. a full time 
gig. And, and it took off. It took off. Well, he, again, much like your story, he did a lot of different things in a lot of different shops for many years before he became kind of the master right. of his trade. And so he teamed so up was with my the- other buddy, Keith, who had been working in, oh, in the in the field for the past 25 years or whatever. And so the two masters got together and kind of created this little shop. And, they and so he was the one showing you all that stuff. Wow, yeah, that's great. They taught me a that's, ton. It was really cool. That's definitely something that I think, um, you know, young people don't, well, you know, when you're younger and you're sort of hungry and you're trying to make money, you're not really... You're not necessarily thinking about like who's the best person I can learn from, right? But those right. those little opportunities when you come across someone like a John Quinney or this guy where they're really, really good at their stuff, like you just want to glom onto them. And like, <laughs> you know, they're basically paying you to train you to be better. Right. You know, you're they're paying you, but then you're also learning like a college degree from them in a very short amount of time. So uh, you know, versus if you just got stuck with somebody that was really mediocre and not that great. That's where your skill sets would be, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and I ended That's- up, I had to move from that shop just purely because of health insurance reasons. Like, he it was such a uh, small place, they could, he couldn't provide me health insurance. And with the family, it kind of became an important thing. And I moved to a, a much larger shop that had, uh, it was a cabinet, a custom cabinet shop, but it still it had like 15 people in the shop versus just the two of us, the three of us. And soon I wasn't yeah. doing everything mm-hmm. from start to finish. And um, right. it was just a, a whole different scenario. And I was actually, you know, I was still learning a lot, but not nearly as much. I was just kind of pigeonholed into a different a certain area within the project. Well, and you were doing more, that's more of what we would call like production work. So you're kind of doing the same thing over and over and it's not as creative and it's harder to get, it's, well, it's a different kind of skill to run a shop like that, right? Mm -hmm. It's concerned with time and efficiency and money and Mm -hmm. it's a different way of making money. So yeah, um, there's a lot of focus on lean manufacturing and all of that. Lean manufacturing. (laughs) Oh my God. Remember that from the eighties? I was there for a little while, um, but it definitely was not, it wasn't very enjoyable anymore like i mm-hmm. didn't really like the job yeah. and it just became a job and that's actually when i started doing what i'm doing now on the side was the i yeah, i had my own podcast the whole time too so i was learning mm-hmm. a lot on that and i had learned over the years in my different businesses marketing and online marketing and different things like that so i took it to the podcasting area and that's kind of how i stumbled into what that's I'm doing awesome. now. Yeah. <laughs> So. How we met. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great. Um, right. So one of my questions was that um, I know you're happily married. You had a great wife and a super adorable little kid. Um, but And you've done a lot of different things in life, uh, like me. You've had good stuff and bad stuff. But is there anything that you regret about your life? Anything I regret? Probably I got sober five years ago. And I wish I would have done that long, that longer ago i guess mm-hmm. that's the one mm-hmm. thing so you mean because it was like an actual problem or you mean you just kind of stopped drinking but it was a problem so you like like real sober like i you know became a problem it, it was mm-hmm. you know i was always i was always a really good drinker when i was in starting when i was a teenager <laughs> but um 
I was really good (laughs) success at that. That was a success. Yeah, Yeah, no, it it definitely just over time it became a problem. And then looking back, I can see how it it definitely affected some of my decisions and some Um, other health issues along the way. Or I mean, I would have just led a little different lifestyle, and I think. that's probably if I would have just kind of come to that conclusion a little sooner, life would yeah. have been a little easier, I think. Well, good for you, but I'm not quitting drinking. Yeah, I got my fair share and don't worry. It's it, definitely it, not a problem. I don't know that it's, it's a forever thing. It's just, it's for yeah. now, it's a really good thing. So I just wish thing. I would yeah. have kind of figured that that's out good. sooner. So That's a good one. I have a couple of girlfriends who are, Pretty much, I'd say in the last three or four years, they've, they've, um, you know, they pretty much just don't drink at all. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely great for weight loss. I know that. It's <laughs> 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 generally you'll lose about fifteen pounds when you stop drinking. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. On I'm your, holding, on I'm your holding on to too. mine right now. Hold <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <Old enough. laughs> Hold on. Um, okay, so that's all I had. I just thought you would be a good, you'd be an interesting person to ask, like if there's something you regret. So, uh, but basically, you're regret free. It sounds like, except for one thing. Yeah, that's good. Part, yeah, I mean, I we all make mistakes along the way, and I think instead of regretting that, I just try to say, well, what can I learn from that, and now what can I do differently the next time, or what can I used out of that experience to have a better experience next time. Yeah. I used yeah. to be a, a mountaineering guide and did mm-hmm. a lot of that kind of thing. And we used to talk about judgment and uh, mm. decision-making and uh, as far as like managing your oh. risk and all of that yeah. sort of thing. And we always talked about how good judgment comes from experience and a lot of good experiences come from bad judgment. So you kind of have to go through that cycle of making mistakes. and But then getting something good out of it. And getting some <laughs> not, good out of it. and getting Not keep, not keep doing the same dumb <laughs> shit over and over again. <laughs> exactly. But then getting back up and trying again. You know, if we, if we always quit when we had a bad experience, none of us would really be walking. Right? Like when I anywhere. watch, <laughs> we watch a, a toddler learning how to walk, and man, they are falling and hurting themselves left and right. They're it's really like, bad at walking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My son's fun to watch because he's almost five, and you know, the yeah. yesterday we we went skiing in the morning, and then we went biking in the afternoon, and he's falling all day long. He's falling when he's skiing, and he's falling on his bike, and he'll just like brush off yeah. his hands when he and he's get back like, on his bike. That was awesome. I know, I'm watching, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, are you all uh, right? Like, that looked like it hurt. Yeah. He's like, no, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, and he'll say that. He'll say, I'm all right, because he knows you're oh. gonna, He'll say that before you ask, because he knows you're thinking it. He'll say, That's I'm so all right. Cute. Get up and yeah. Move keep going he's adorable i'd be crying yeah exactly you're falling are you sure um oh i know i thought of another question i might have asked you this before but now i don't remember but what's your sign what's your zodiac sign um a virgo Mm, okay i don't know i'm a cancer i don't know that i know a, a, a bit about many of the signs but i don't have really any experience with virgos so you got a clean slate Oh, there you go. All right. <laughs> so, 
I know Capricorns, Aries, uh, Pisces. Uh, what's another one? Scorpios, Gemini's are probably the ones I know the most about. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think Virgos are are great. Oh right? yeah, we're awesome. We're awesome. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, that's all know. the questions I have. So okay. <laughs> fire that's away good. if you got Okay, some. fire away. Well, you know, after li- listening to your story in depth several times, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just have some questions that might help others who are listening to that story and are experiencing some of the similar feelings and, and challenges within their own world. And they might be stuck, right? Like people get stuck. And I see Mm -hmm. that often. So I want to ask you a few questions about kind of the, maybe the misconceptions and uh, fears people might have about Mm -hmm. making a big change. Like, because you really made a huge shift and I've made some big shifts in my life too. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't because it's very scary. Yeah. Now, shifting into working in carpentry or in the trades, I would imagine, especially for women, but even for guys, um, what would you say if someone said to you that it's just it's way beyond my ability, like my skill set or my natural ability just won't allow me to do something like that? What would I say? You mean when they're trying to figure out if yeah, they can do it? Yeah, if someone said to you, you that I just can't do that, it's not. I can't. Mm. It's not in my ability. Yeah. Um, I would say that I did pick stuff up really easily. So I think you have a natural tendency towards things, right? Like I don't have a natural tendency towards mathematics. right? (laughs) Right? So I have to work harder at that. But I also know that uh, there's things in carpentry I really didn't think I was going to be able to figure out. And I thought we're way beyond my skill sets in the beginning, but you're sort of just building up like little layers at a time. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not eating the whole elephant at one time. Mm-hmm. You're, you're learning enough to get just enough confident to try the next step. And then you get a little more confident and then it makes you a little braver to try the next step. Um, like for instance, m- you know, motorcycles, we ride motorcycles, my husband and I, mm-hmm. um, and he's, he's, you know, way more fearless than me. He'll go, he'll take way more chances than I will. I'm not really a risk taker <laughs> by my nature. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to be way more fearful and to just, re- I have to like really grow into it. So I think if you feel that way about something, you just have to break it down into smaller manageable um, steps. And you just sort of tackle those little things, knowing, just trusting that you're going to get confidence along the way that's going to help you to the next little bit of it. Like a perfect example with the motorcycles is I've been riding for you know, 25 years, but I'm not pushing myself. So I'm comfortable with what I'm doing. I'm comfortable with trips. I'm comfortable on the freeway, but I, I wanted to learn how to race on the track. Well, that's like a big difference from just riding around here where I'm, you know, I'm in control of the whole thing. So there's like a lot of elements of that, that I didn't have control over. Plus I have control issues. So that's a, that's a learning lesson for me. So I wanted to be able to kind of put myself into situations where I couldn't control everything. So the way that I worked up to that was I took a really small, you know, barely baby beginner class. I was scared to death, but I learned just enough of that to go back the next day. And then every couple of months I'd go to a different, slightly different racing track event or a little class. And I just, I got to where I was over the fear. And then I was really just paying attention to what I was learning 
And then I also just give yourself time. I think you have to have time to grow into things and to get more comfortable. You have to practice stuff over and over and over again. And so I did that. And so now I've done some racing on the track and not professional racing. I mean, just like track days where you go as fast as you can and that stuff. And you're racing with other people. So this year, my, my goal was to push myself to do dirt bike riding, which can be very physical and really dangerous actually. Cause you're, I mean, you're really pushing your body on the b- motorcycle. So, but I, for years I've been really wanting to learn how to do that, but I was scared of that. So I took again, a baby tiny class that <laughs> let me work my way up to it. Knowing now that I'm older, that I will find more confidence once I get through those initial first steps, right? I'll learn more technical information that'll help me be more relaxed that will continue to inform the next step. So that's kind of what I would tell people that are new is just, you know, you have to trust the process and you have to trust that you take small enough steps that you get a little confidence to keep going and being braver each time. That's what I would say. Yeah. Good point. And you mentioned something there about letting, giving enough time, like Mm -hmm. the time, because that's something I definitely got out of your story was like, you would say, and I did that for two years or three years it wasn't like, <laughs> uh, like everything, right. no, yeah nothing comes yeah. to overnight it, it it does take time and you have to give that yeah yeah give yourself time to grow into it thanks again for listening this far we're going to take a quick break and i'm going to tell you about a product i just love that helps support this show Hey guys, so I'm back again um, and I'm here diving into my latest Blue Apron box and I'm opening it up and just, you know, so excited again because it's Wednesday and I get to get new recipes again. And I'm just thinking some more of the reasons why I absolutely love it. There's just so many reasons that I like Blue Apron and I've been using them for probably about four years now. I've been cooking with Blue Apron and it has really transformed the way that I cook. I love how easy it is to turn it on and off whenever you want, just with the app. They won't keep charging you when you pause it. You can turn it right back on again. I've done that many weeks when we're out of town or I had family coming in and I wasn't going to be able to do the Blue Apron thing because I had to cook like for 12 people, all the same thing. And I just turn it right back on and it's so easy. And the money we save is like off the hook. We used to go to the grocery store every single day or every couple days, both my husband and I, we would both overbuy stuff. We'd waste a bunch of food. And instead, now we just spend our basic weekly budget and we save hundreds of dollars a month. I also like that every single recipe is supposed to be between 500 and 700 calories, but the portions are really generous. So even though they're really low calorie and extremely flavorful, they're very generous on the portions. And like if my husband's gone, I can actually easily eat for a week with just one box by myself. There's actually no waste. You get exactly the proportions you need. You know, you get two carrots for that recipe or one head of broccoli or three potatoes. And before we used to shop way too often and all the time and all the food was wasted or we would eat out a lot because we were tired and didn't want to cook that night. So I would estimate we were saving thousands of dollars every year in food expense and just not buying stuff when we're walking around the grocery store, hungry and tired and irritated. So Those are some of the things that Blue Apron has done for me. And basically they've taken all the hassle out of it, all the extra expense, all the wasted food, and they've basically streamlined it down to the absolute best parts of cooking that I love 
great food, really interesting recipes, no food waste, super inexpensive, and I get to open this beautiful little package every single Wednesday. That's why I personally love Blue Apron. And I have for four and a half years. So if you want to experience the best parts of cooking along with me, Blue Apron style, just head over to remodelyourlifepodcast.com forward slash Blue Apron, and you can get $30 off your first week by using our link. And a portion of your purchases will really help support the show. And I thank you so much for considering it. And I look forward to seeing what you are cooking. So one of my other questions I have I jotted down was, what if it doesn't work? Like, what if I made that big choice to take that big step and it's just, it's not working? Like, That's a really good question. <laughs> yeah. And that has happened to me. That has happened to me. There's been things that I've tried and I really just was never good at it or not good enough to continue or you know, it wasn't my proficiency. Um, you know, I did a lot of, I did a lot of commercial work when I first started. I didn't really get into that, but I did try to do some commercial work, you know, privately. And I was, you know, I was successful. I made money and stuff, but the, it wasn't a good fit for me naturally. It just, I wasn't that as good with the numbers, even though I've tried, you know, I'm way better at math and money and stuff than I ever was, but it wasn't a natural fit for me. And so it wasn't my strong suit. And so I found, you know, so yeah, I think that does happen. Sometimes you try something and you work really hard at it and that is life and it doesn't work out or the opportunities don't show up or you run out of money or like you don't have enough time to put into it. So that does happen. And that is the reality of life that that can happen. I, I guess So the question is like, what do you do? Um, I think if you're really passionate about something and you keep, I think if you keep thinking about something, I I guess I would say it's a combination of things. If you're really scared of something, something really makes you nervous or you're, but you keep thinking about it, right? You really want it, but you're scared of it. Uh, Generally, if you keep, if you keep thinking about something or something really um, upsets you or, you know, There's got to be, to me, there's like an element of there's a reason why you keep thinking about it or you keep trying to approach it. So I don't know. So it's a combination of things for me. Like if you're, if you're scared of something, generally that means there's a lot of interest and excitement built around it too. Right. But there's also just, I don't know, like what, what do you, what have you done when you've, I don't know. I just cry and then I keep, and then I just go back to it. If I really like it, if I really, really wanted it, like the union, the carpenters union was really fucking hard. I mean, that was a really hard journey. I didn't really talk about it in the story. They did not want us there. They made it super clear every single day. Uh, it was really emotionally exhausting to not want people to want you there. And you're trying so hard and you're really putting everything into it. And it took, you know, it took years and a lot of sliding to the side and strategizing and really kind of trying to find my way through that. And there was no guide, nobody to help, nobody to ask you questions of like, so that was really, I mean, I almost gave up a lot of times in the union, just thinking, why am I trying so hard to get these jobs? Why am I traveling so far? Like, but because I was, I really wanted to know how to do the things they knew. And so I was just passionate about that and I was stubborn about it. And so I just kept doing it, even though, 
You're right. Any other person would have just given up, which is part of why I'm doing this podcast. I don't want any other women to feel like that when they're frustrated. I want to be able to give them some help or something. So I'm going to talk to you about it. So they do keep going. I think I just kept going out of sheer stubbornness. Um, And I also think here's, I guess I would qualify my answer with a third thing, which is, and I know you know this probably as well, that there's kind of two thought schools of thought about like taking a big risk or, or mm-hmm. there's either the sort of you leap and then you hope that stuff shows up on the other side, right? You kind of have to untether from the dock mm-hmm. and release your old life or your old patterns or whatever. And you have to start grabbing for the future. So there's sort of that, but then there's also where we, we kind of, we want to hold on to both things at once, right? We want to be holding on to the dock, but the motor's running full steam in the boat. And you're not really moving, but you're kind of like half, half in between. I mean, I've done it both ways. I've literally done it both ways. I think the reason I stuck it out in the union was also because I didn't have anything else to go back to. I had severed all those ties. I wasn't making any money, right? I had no, I mean, this was it outside of if I wanted to start another small business. So I was, I was committed. I had to be committed to this. So that was one example of me really cutting the ties by quitting my jobs and shut, you know, right. having the breakdown, all that, like that was my body saying, you're letting go of that doc. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> um, but I've also done it many times where I'm sort of straddling two things mm-hmm. and it really comes down to your own strength of will. How long can you do that? How long can you be stretching yourself in two different directions that are sometimes opposite direction? And I think the older you get, the the stronger your will is and the longer you can do that until you finally let go and then you're full in on the other side. So I've done it. I've done it multiple times both ways. What's your what's your thoughts on that? No, I have the same thing. I had a friend tell me once you got to get to that point where you are you're burning the burning the boats. Right. Like there was some some famous battle Mm -hmm. where they. They went <laughs> the boats and, and they, burned the, they burned the boats, so there was no retreat. Then, yeah. mm-hmm. boy, it takes a while before you can really burn those boats. Like it's hard to let go. It's really hard to but let go. Once you yeah. do, it's almost like a huge relief. Mm-hmm. Like there's this weight lifted off your shoulders, and you just now you're just moving forward. There's no going back. No right. Yeah, even if you're going slowly, <laughs> you're not tethered <laughs> to the dock. Right? Going slowly, that's a lot of extra work. Yeah, but I think also yeah. now you are really good at this, but I would imagine some people have a, have hard time with what other people think. Like, oh, I had uh, a hard time with that. <laughs> did you? Oh I yeah. Mean, like, oh yeah. Like, oh, I was embarrassed, humiliated. Oh my God. Yeah. When I had my breakdown and had depression and had to tell people, like I had at some point I had to tell people like certain people I had to actually tell and clients. I mean, I was totally humiliated, totally ashamed, totally embarrassed. Oh my God. I was just like, uh, I, you know, about the breakdown, but what about the, the complete one? All of of it. Yep. All of that stuff I was ashamed of for years. I was you know, I felt it was just my ego though. I mean, I know now it was just my ego. So yeah. Oh, I've been, my ego has been way bigger than it should be. <laughs> and, yeah. and I very much cared, even if I didn't tell people, I very much cared and very much was embarrassed and could bear, you know, didn't want to go to parties or didn't want to talk to people. Cause I was just right. like, Oh my God, I'm in this in between thing where like, and that was when it wasn't really working. Like I was learning a lot and I was really enjoying it personally. It was satisfying, but 
you know, how, you know, how would you, I was dating and how, like, it was just awkward to like, yeah. try to explain People like, say, you were this and like, then you did, well, I'm kind I of trying to sort of be this. <laughs> like, yeah. And I work as a waitress and I do like, I'm just like, what? So yeah, well, for sure. I've been just, I've had all those same issues that I, you know, I worked, I did a little bit through therapy, which I love. I had a great therapist is awesome to be able to talk to somebody. So I did a little bit of that and they helped me realize like, it's not that big of a deal and it's just your ego that's influencing that. Um, so I was a little more objective about that. And then I, I think I also just, I mean, how did I manage that? Um, my family didn't care. They weren't, right. they, they, nobody made me feel bad about it. I made myself feel bad about it. Right. I don't think anybody right. actually made me feel bad about it. Yeah. Um, so but I think just over time, I guess I just like, I stopped caring about, I, I stopped worrying about what they were thinking and I was more focused on how can I be really good at this? How can I, how can I be proud of it for myself? Like that was, that was more important to me at some point. So I don't know. What's your strategy? Cause you've uh, had, yeah. <laughs> too, yeah, so. no, I've been through a lot of crap like that too. Yeah. I think the, the shame and the, the vulnerability piece is huge for a lot of people. And I think you have to get to the point where you just, you worry about yourself first and then the people who don't care, like you mm -hmm. said, your family and your super closest friends and that they're not going to care either. And they're going to support you no matter what. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I think you really just have to do what you want to do deep in your, in your heart and not worry about what others feel. And they'll come back if they're, if they're truly close friends, you know? Yeah. And I think we're just hardest on ourselves. Oh. Like, I think we're, we have to be our own best friend. Like, would you, you know, someone once said to me, I, I don't know what I was complaining about or thinking about something or worrying about something. And, and he was like, well, would you treat your best friend this way? Would you say those things to, <laughs> would you say those things to a very close friend that you're saying to yourself? And I was like, no, you're absolutely right. I would be, my God, that's like a horrible person. Why am I around that person? Right. So you just have to, you have to talk to yourself and think about yourself the way you would want to speak to a friend that you like. Right. And I think it takes time to do that when you're so worried about what everybody else is doing. It's like, usually you're your own worst critic. Right. Um, so, yeah. you know, with everything. So, um, yeah, but that's a really good question. I, and I think that's part of the struggle of growing up as you learn to release some of that shame and release those things. And, uh, you know, you realize they, they really just hold you back. They just hold you back. They're not holding anybody else back. They just hold you back. Holding you back. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I have a, a few more questions here, but maybe some other time we, we can. Yeah. Share. But I was going to say one more thing I thought of um, when you said we could have this chat that mm -hmm. at one time I did this kitchen remodel. Mm -hmm. I owned a house in Leadville, Colorado, the funky old mining town at 10,200 mm -hmm. feet. The house was built on a mud sill foundation, they called it, which is basically rocks and mud on the ground mm -hmm. <laughs> the perfect no, combination there is no foundation <laughs> the, house, the house was built in the 1880s sometime or 1870s the courthouse wow. had burned down at some point so all the records were burned in town so the they just mm. put every house's date at 1880 at that point but anyway this 
warped, wobbly house, which had a floor like a ship on the ocean. And <laughs> I was gutting the kitchen and redoing it. And a friend was helping me who was a kind of a construction-y guy. And we were trying to figure out where to do the plumbing and where to do And I had it in my head that I was going to put the sink where the old sink had been and everything, because that's mm-hmm. where the plumbing was. And he said, just forget about all that. How do you want the kitchen to be? Like, let's just yeah. make your ideal <laughs> kitchen. And, Why not? And then <laughs> we're we'll, here. Well, we're tearing up the entire floor and we can put the plumbing wherever we want and we'll just go from there. I'm like, oh, great idea. That's, Thanks, yeah. Josh. So I think <laughs> that as a metaphor for your show, like you're giving people the you're giving them permission to say, all right, I'm just going to tear up the whole floor and mm-hmm. completely remodel the, my kitchen to the ideal kitchen. That's yes. going to be the perfect space fit, for, fit me for me to spend yeah. a lot of time in because we spend a lot of time in our kitchens. So, Yep. And we spend a lot of time in our lives. We do. <laughs> so so why, not, why not? Why not construct the life that you actually want, right? Figure out where you want to put your kitchen sink, figure out what you want to do during your day, figure out what, I mean, like, yeah, it's true. Like people kind of, we tend to get into ruts, right? And we tend to just follow the same groove and the same pattern and the same job and the same career and the same things, same relationships without ever really questioning like, wow, I'm not not even happy at all uh, with this. Why not just try to come up with a creative solution for that? So which is not always easy, but it is definitely possible. So I love that metaphor. That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> I know. And then it was a funny thing that happened too, was along the way, funny things would happen because I just opened up to that. Like mm-hmm. I discovered the perfect flooring for that kitchen, just mm-hmm. down the alley in the garage that had been stored right. there from an old job from years ago. Like it just happened. Like, yeah, kinda cool. it was kind of yeah. kismet. Like it was just, Life wanted that to be a different shape. Yeah. It felt yeah. life liked the fact that you were changing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we will definitely be doing more of these chats, listeners. Uh, we have a great time talking, as you can tell, and we'll be <laughs> hopefully introducing other, uh, you know, other topics and maybe topics that we we don't even agree on the same side. Maybe we'll be able to have different opinions about something, and uh, uh, it would be kind of fun to do that to All incorporate. Right. We'll try. We do. We agree on a lot of things, but (laughs) we'll try to be controversial. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, we've already started one thing. You don't drink and I heavily drink. So we'll start with that. (laughs) I don't heavily. I don't have a problem with that, though. (laughs) I know. I was just trying to create controversy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, James, for joining me and for everything you do on the show. (laughs) My pleasure. All right, we'll talk talk to you later. Thanks so much for listening to Remodel Your Life. I sure have enjoyed being with you today. And if you really like our show, we'd love it if you would subscribe through iTunes. You can always send us feedback through email at Camille at remodelyourlifepodcast.com. And I'll see you next week.
Thank you for listening to the Remodel Your Life podcast. This episode has ended, but your remodeling journey can continue. Head over to remodelyourlifepodcast.com to access all the resources, tools, and links mentioned in this episode. Until next time, get your hands dirty and create the life you want from the foundation up. And thanks again to Blue Apron. I just love cooking with them and so appreciate their support of my show. I had a friend tell me once, you got to get to that point where you are, you're burning the boats, right? Like there was uh, oh, some, yeah. some famous battle mm-hmm. where they, they went <laughs> the boats and, and they, burned them, they burned the boats. So there was no retreat then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boy, it takes a while before you can really burn those boats. Like it's hard to let go. It's really hard to but let go. Once you yeah. do, it's almost like a huge relief. Mm-hmm. There's this weight lifted off your shoulders and you just, now you're just moving forward. There's no going back.